Good morning, everybody. My name is Sarana, and as Pastor Stephen said, I'm the youth pastor here at C3 Calgary, and I'm excited to be sharing today. I want to say a big thank you to my pastors, Pastor Lauren and Kelly, for giving me the opportunity um, to share. I'm really excited. We are in our relationship series this month. Um, if you've been with us, we had Brad kick off our series and Pastor Stephen last Sunday, and to be honest, this is one of my favorite months of the year because I've said this a few times before um, to some friends of mine and I've heard it said that the quality of our life is a direct reflection of the quality of our relationships. And so um, whatever season of life you're in or whatever your relationships look like, we all have relationships. And so I just believe that um, and I, I know sometimes how hard it can be to watch from home if you're anything like me. It's easy to get distracted with your phone or things going on around you. So I would encourage you to just uh, put your phone aside or anything that could be distracting you because I really believe that God wants to encourage you today to speak to you through his word um, in the season that you're in. So the um, title of my message today is Go First. And right off the bat, I will say it's a bit of a contradiction because doesn't the Bible say the last shall be first? So, wait, you're saying go first? And I heard this podcast recently by Pastor Phil, who is the founder of C3 Global, and I love the way he explains this. He talks about God kind of being like a diamond. It's multidimensional, and we, as we walk with God and we get to know new parts of his character, it's like different sides of the diamond. And we're, you know, here we have this revelation of the mercy of God. And then we look at another side of the diamond. It's like now we're experiencing the judgment of God. And it's so difficult, he says, in our finite brains to kind of figure out, well, how does the mercy and the judgment of God, both operating at 100%, how are they functioning at the same time neither one more important or more powerful than the other. And we actually have to learn how to hold these truths in tension. And it's, it is hard to wrap our minds around, but I love the way he explains it. So um, there's a lot of different things that can happen when people go first. When we think of what does it mean to go first? I don't know if you've ever been to uh, like a dinner at somebody's house and they put, put all the food out and they say, you know, go for it, and nobody gets up, and it's kind of awkward. No one wants to go first, or maybe you've been at a family dinner, you have a big family, and everybody's trying to go first and push each other out of the way to be the first to get a plate of food. Um, or maybe you've been at a small group, maybe you've been at my small group, when I've asked you to share something vulnerable from your week or something that God's been speaking to you, and everyone kind of looks at each other nobody wants to go first and then as soon as somebody does the ice has been broken or what about some people in history who went first we most of us would know rosa parks who sat at the front of the bus and took a stand and nobody told her to do that she went first or what about hitler he went first he paved the way he led people very confident he was somebody who went first. Or what about the woman in Humboldt, Saskatchewan? She was the mother of someone who, you may have heard the stories on the news a few years ago of a bus that crashed with, with a bunch of teenage boys and a hockey team. 
um, many of them who died. And it's this video I watched of the courtroom and it's being held in this high school gym. And the guy, the bus driver, who's the one who crashed the bus is sitting there at this table. And one of the moms of the students goes forward to testify in the courtroom. And it's powerful. Like you get goosebumps watching this. And she looks at the guy dead in the eyes. And she says right away, she goes, I just want you to know that I forgive you. And the guy just starts sobbing. And she went first. She was first to forgive and show forgiveness. And the effect of that forgiveness was overwhelming emotion and perhaps a feeling of feeling undeserved. She went first. When I first started coming to C3, um, almost five years ago now, I remember very clearly seeing Pastor Stephen and, and Pastor Brittany go down to the altar for prayer as there's normally an opportunity to do so after a, a service. And at first I didn't really know what they were going out for and I saw it happen like over multiple Sundays and I realized that they were asking uh, people to stand with them in prayer because they were asking God for a baby. And they didn't see that promise come to pass for a long time. And when I first saw it happening, I thought, oh, is it weird that the pastors are going forward to ask for prayer? Like, shouldn't they be the ones who've, you know, got it figured out? But that wasn't the case, and that was such an example to me, and I always think about it. They led by example. They went first, asking people to stand in prayer for them, and they did get to see that promise fulfilled. But it was re really powerful and really impacted me. So some of these examples I don't need to tell you that I just went through are wonderful. Some of them are not in the way that these people went first. But we know that Jesus didn't say, do what I say, and that's it. He says, do what I do, right? And in a world and in a culture where most of us take our cues from other people, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but there's trends in fashion and in culture and music and entertainment and uh, jumping on social justice bandwagons, we are naturally people who are very influenced, right? We like to follow what other people are doing. It makes us feel more comfortable. Maybe someone influenced you today to come to church or watch church online. Maybe someone influenced you to put your kids in a certain school or to move to a certain city, to buy a certain house. Those are not bad things, but we're all influenced by different people in our worlds to do different things. I believe that God wants to speak to some people today to go first in their worlds, in building God's kingdom, in their friendships, in their families, to be trailblazers for the kingdom of God, and that we wouldn't be passive, but purposeful people who lead and take steps and make decisions in confidence led by the Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't wait for somebody else to go first, but that we would go first. And that might mean different things to different people. So hold on a second. Let's take a step back and reassess where we're looking, or rather who we're looking at.
So before we all push each other out of the way to go first in line at the grocery store, we want to actually talk about what does it look like to go first as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Jesus didn't float around just letting things happen to him. He was not passive. He was purposeful. And there's many different examples and stories of this in the Gospels, but I want to focus in today on one story, and it's in the book of John, chapter 8. And we're going to read a passage of scripture together. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And this may be a familiar story to some of you, but it's the story of the woman caught in adultery, which when I came to know Jesus, um, and some of you have heard me say before, which was not the way I grew up, but a little bit later in my early adult life, this story massively impacted me. And I've been thinking a lot about it again recently. So let's dive in together. If you have your Bibles or if you have your Bible on your phone, um, this is the story of the woman caught in adultery. So it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. And I'm going to stop right there for a moment. As I was studying this passage of scripture, I was like, what was Jesus doing at the Mountain of Olives? Was he praying? Well, it was said that he was sleeping. So this isn't one of my points today, but some of you just need to get eight hours of sleep and it would massively improve the quality of your relationships. I'm just going to put that out there. In verse 2 it says, But early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Um, the law says, the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down and wrote in the dust again. When the accusers heard this, they, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She says, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. What a story. I want to pray first before we go any further. So, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word. We thank you that your word is alive and active today. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak and minister to each heart, to each person walk, watching today, that you would meet them in the season they're at, that you would encourage them, that you would bring conviction, touch them with your love and your presence, God. We love you so much, and we just give this time to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've read this story before, or many times, it's... Uh, easy just to kind of breeze by it's kind of because it can be so familiar but this whole interaction is very strange and uncomfortable it says that this woman was caught in the act of adultery awkward and let me just take a second to point out that where had the man gone 
like adultery takes two. So where did he go? Did he like sneak off somewhere or something? So this says to us that the Pharisees weren't actually interested in bringing about true justice. They just wanted to trap this woman and ultimately to trap Jesus in his words. Adultery was a capital offense under Jewish law. And the law did say that anyone caught in the act of adultery should be stoned. So these guys are thinking, we've got Jesus. And it all culminates in the final scene where the accusers standing around Jesus. And Jesus says, you know what? You're right. I'm paraphrasing here, but you're right. It does say that. So whichever of you is without sin, go ahead. Throw the first stone. You have my permission. And one by one, it says from oldest to youngest, they begin to drop their stones and they take a step back. It's like I'm a dramatic person and I love movies, so I'm thinking like this would be the scene, the climax of the movie where they're, ste they're stepping back and there's Jesus and this woman standing face to face. It's a powerful message of forgiveness, which Pastor Stephen touched on last week, but there's actually so many other things we can take from this story and the way Jesus navigated conflict, accusation, and relational stress with a few different people in this story. Anyone got some relational stress here today? Well, I believe that we can learn something from the way that Jesus handled it. So my first point today is number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus did not shy away from or avoid awkward or uncomfortable situations, conversations, encounters. He did not avoid them. Interesting. And like we said, this whole situation was very awkward for everybody involved. And while Jesus could have avoided it and said, somebody else go deal with this. This is weird. Like, I got better things to do. Figure it out. He didn't, which was interesting. He showed up. He looked at the mess that was going on. He did not look away. I don't love that when we think of confrontation, we often assume that means anger and strife and division and hostility, rage, and that actually, if we learn to engage in healthy confrontation in our relationships, it would actually improve the strength and quality of our closest friendships in our marriage, our coworkers, our parents. We're actually doing each other a disservice by avoiding these uncomfortable and sometimes challenging conversations. I used to work for my dad a few years ago in Banff and I got to be involved for a short time in the HR process of hiring and bringing new staff members onto the team. And um, I remember one day I was in the office at our family business with my dad and my stepmom. And you know, we're doing interviews with people and we were at the point where we were bringing people back for their second interviews. And if you know anything about an interview, you can't hire everybody. Only a couple spots needed to be filled and that's just how it goes. And so we were bringing this guy back for his second sort of meeting, follow-up interview, and my dad was meant to be letting him know he, he didn't get the job. Um, but my dad is so unbelievably encouraging. If you've met him, you would know. He encouraged this guy so much for probably 20 minutes that when the guy left, 
my dad and my stepmom and I looked at each other and I was like, I don't think that guy actually realized he didn't get the job, dad. And my dad was like, oh, he encouraged him so much that the guy left thinking he did get the job. So a great quality to have, but culturally we're in a time where there is some crazy stuff going on and things that you know for a lot of us as christians we don't feel like we can relate to or understand there's people struggling with their sexuality with what gender they are they're struggling where do i stand where, where do i fit on the political spectrum wrestling with pornography wrestling with shame from decisions they've made in the past or maybe are even currently making now, I'm not here to tell you today, go firm up your stance on some of these things and you got to know what you believe, although I do believe that's true. What I want to say today, and I think is so important, is that so many of us as Christians, with these things that we're uncomfortable with, I think the greatest mistake we can make is that because we feel uncomfortable or unqualified or because we can't relate to someone, we just look away and we don't want to deal with it we look away from people instead of looking at them in the eye and saying i may not have all the answers for you but there's a seat at the table for you anyways let's not avoid hard conversations in our most precious relationships we will have disagreement, misunderstanding. We'll say things that rub people the wrong way. We will get hurt. We are different people with different personalities, different life experiences, different things that we've gone through and been hurt by. But having the hard and sometimes awkward conversations are always worth it. And I'm inspired by Jesus' example, not to look away from awkwardness or a messy situation, but to jump right in, two feet shows up right there and let us not avoid people or interactions with those we can't relate to or understand or agree with let's resist the urge to act as though it's our job to fix people when it isn't when maybe jesus is just asking you to pull up a seat next to you at the table and invite somebody to sit down my second point today is simple yet powerful is that jesus paused this is how he went first. Let's talk about the Pharisees for a moment in this story who just bother me. If I was Jesus, which thankfully I am not, this is how I would reply to the Pharisees who dragged me away from my teaching at the temple to come and see the situation that they clearly had intentionally found this woman and brought her here. I would say, you hypocrites. Uh, you sleep till noon every day and you're not doing anything significant with your time. I know you steal money. I know you're cheating on your wife. Uh, I know you are just mean to the people around you. So why don't you all just take a seat for a second and look at the log in your own eye before you start accusing somebody else? That is what I would say. But Jesus has a different approach. This woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law says to stone her what do you say and there's this moment of tension while they wait to see what jesus is going to do and how he's going to respond and then they watch and 
Jesus in silence as he stoops down and writes something in the dust with his finger, which we don't know still. There's different interpretations from different scholars, but we don't actually know what was Jesus writing in the dust. And they continue to demand his answer. He still hasn't said anything. And finally, we know what he says, but I'm just so fascinated by his response of pausing in silence when perhaps the assumption would be that he would quickly respond and be direct and assertive, and he didn't do that. Jesus didn't bring accusation or rage. He stooped down, which was a symbol of humility, and paused before saying anything at all. I wonder what our relationships would look like if we just paused more. If sometimes we were okay just to be silent. Many times Jesus was the first to speak up, to call out truth, to call things for what they were. He was direct and assertive. He was, but he also often was the first to be silent when everybody else was making noise. When people were demanding his attention and wanted to hear from him and what he had to say, it was often in those times that he actually went to pray and be with the Father. Notice that in both of these types of responses that Jesus did have, when he was speaking up or taking a stand or perhaps being strangely silent moments before he was brought to the cross to be crucified, silent before his accusers. Here's what I want us to notice here, that Jesus didn't do anything because other people were doing it. He took his cues from God. He went first. Wait, so which is it? You're like, Serena, you're contradicting yourself. So is it I'm supposed to go have confrontational conversations and be direct and, and say the hard things, or, or am I supposed to pause and be silent? The answer is yes, as Pastor Lauren often says. If I can be totally honest with you today, I've struggled with this. There's been times where I have lashed out in anger or in pain or wanting to share my opinion and I've left conversations with people feeling like that conviction of the Holy Spirit sets in and I'm like, why did I say that? But you know, there's also been times where I've felt God asking me to speak up and I I haven't. I felt that nudge from God to, to speak or even to encourage someone or to share what I believe in a, situ in a social situation or with friends, and I haven't out of fear of what people think. Maybe you can relate to that. I really do believe that if we fix our eyes on Jesus, and follow his lead in the, in the way we navigate this conflict and these tricky relationships and things that we all go through with people in our life, that as we're led by the Holy Spirit, we can be people that go first. And here's the key. We actually have to stop and take time to ask God. God, how are you asking me to respond? God, what do you want me to say here or not say? And it doesn't have to be this long, elaborate prayer, but just a moment of just 
God, what are you saying here? How do you want me to react? How do you want me to respond? And it's actually in those moments that he leads us by his spirit, when we know his voice, rather than reacting by impulse or reacting or responding out of fear. We go first, led first by the Holy Spirit. My final point today, and perhaps the most important, is that Jesus reminded the woman of who she was. I, uh, I got this picture that I felt like God gave me a couple of weeks ago while I was in worship at our Calgary West location. And it was this picture of people I felt like um, who were pointing fingers at each other, which it's funny to look at this passage of scripture where all these people wanted to throw the first stone and that's what they wanted Jesus to do was to be the first to throw the stone. And I'm seeing this picture of people who were just pointing fingers of accusation, of blame at each other. But then it's like I, I felt like I was in the shoes of some of these people and I felt like I saw God pointing his finger at them. And I felt the Lord say, like, some of, some of these people feel like I've been pointing my finger at them, but I haven't. And I really felt like maybe there are some people here today who you felt like God has blamed you. He's accused you. He's pointed his finger at you in condemnation, in blame. Maybe you've even been pointing your finger at yourself. And you feel like, man, I have just let my spouse down over and over again. Or I've tried to beat this habit, this sin that's been tripping me up and I just can't do it. Maybe you've lost your patience over and over again with your kids, or maybe you've made poor decisions in dating relationships, and you feel like the finger of God is just pointed at you in anger and in blame. And it's funny, when we feel like God is pointing his finger at us, it's very easy for us to want to point our fingers at other people and blame them and accuse them. And so before we can stop blaming and pointing fingers to others, you got to realize that God's not pointing his finger at you. But like a loving father, when he calls us up into an area of maturity in our life, it's actually his kindness that leads us to repentance. And I believe that God wants to meet with some of you today and give you a revelation of his love and take that pressure off of you that instead of a pointed finger, it's the open and loving arms of the Father. That's what causes us to change and to mature and to grow and ultimately changes the way we handle the relationships in our lives. So I want to pray for you today if you feel like you're in that place. Um, the first group of people you feel like God's upset with you or he's blaming you. You feel like a failure. You feel like you've disappointed God. So if that's you today, I just want to invite you to take a second to close your eyes and maybe even put your hands out in front of you.
Father, I thank you for these sons and daughters. I just feel your heart swell with pride of how much you love them, how much you're for them and not against them. Lord, I even ask that you would show them where they need to repent for seeing you as somebody that you're not, God. I thank you that you are a loving father. I thank you that your kindness leads us to repentance. So I pray for those today who have felt that finger from God pointed at them, that today there would be a shift into feeling the loving arms of the Father open before them. And as they've experienced that revelation of who you are, God, that that would lead them to stop pointing fingers at others in their relationship, stop blaming others. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you're doing in each heart today. Would you just continue to minister to them to bring healing this week and take off the blinders to where there has been misperceptions of who you are? In Jesus' name. And the second group I want to pray for today is you're here and you feel like God's been speaking to you to go first in your relationships. And maybe you need to take a moment and ask God, okay, how are you asking me to go first? Is it maybe you need to take time just to be silent, to pause. Maybe you've been reactive in some of your close relationships and God's asking you to be silent and to take a pause and in humility just to say nothing before you speak. Or maybe it is that you need to have a tough conversation with someone in your world this week or this month and you've been avoiding it out of fear I'm believing that the Holy Spirit would be with you, giving you courage and strength to not avoid or look away, but to have healthy confrontation that will strengthen your relationships. So if that's you today, I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for um, those today who are watching who want to go first in their relationships. I pray first and foremost that they would be led by your Spirit, God, that whether it's pausing and taking moments to be silent or whether it's having courage to step up and having hard and uncomfortable conversations, I pray that they wouldn't wait for other people to go first, but that they would be ones who would go first, who would pave the way, who would be led by your spirit, not influenced by other people around them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today, wherever you're watching from. We're believing that you would have an awesome week, that your relationships would be strengthened, that they would be richer, and that you would draw closer to the heart of God. We'll see you next Sunday.